It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. He was on his way home from Candletop. Been two weeks gone, and he thought he'd stop at Webbs and have him a drink before he went home to her. Andy Wolo said hello, and he said hi, what's doing, whoa, said sit down, I got some bad news, it's gonna hurt. Said I'm your best friend, and you know that's right, but your young bride ain't home tonight, since you've been gone, she's been seeing that Amos boy, said. He got mad, and he saw red, and Andy said, boy, don't you lose your head, cause to tell you the truth. I've been with her myself That's the night that the lights went out in Georgia That's the night that they hung an innocent man Vicki Lawrence, the night the lights went out in Georgia. Some people are speculating that what went on in Georgia in the aftermath of the 2020 election could spell some big trouble, not only for President Trump, but for my colleague, uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. That is one of the many subjects we will throw at uh, Roger Stone, who has worn so many hats over the years. All of them happen to be fashionable. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He is a former Trump advisor. He is a uh, podcast host. We'll tell you how you can listen to his show. And he is someone who was pardoned uh, by President Trump after being convicted. Roger, it is great to talk with you again. How have you been? Great to be with you, Frank. Uh, Convicted uh, in a baseless, politically motivated witch hunt, just to be clear. Well, some people are trying to draw some parallels between your trial and conviction and the recent trial and conviction of Steve Bannon for contempt of Congress. This was Steve Bannon last week after he was found guilty in this contempt of Congress case. I only have one disappointment, and that is the gutless members of that show trial committee, the J6 committee, didn't have the guts to come down here and testify in open court. Now, um, I don't know your view of Steve Bannon these days, although given the role that he played in your trial, I could certainly guess as to your view of Steve Bannon. What was your reaction to the verdict in the Bannon case? Well, first of all, is the fact that Steve Bannon can be heard speaking. As you know, uh, Frank, I was gagged by a federal judge for 18 months. So I wasn't allowed to defend myself in any public forum like this one. Uh, Bannon was not subjected to such a gag. Look, I've been very clear about this. Uh, The New York Post correctly reported that Bannon perjured himself at my trial, that in his sworn testimony before the House Intelligence Committee, he insisted that he had never spoken to me regarding WikiLeaks or Julian Assange or allegedly uh, stolen emails. That is accurate, by the way. Yet in my trial, uh, he said that he had spoken to me about those matters essentially every time we spoke on the phone in 2016. Uh, But I have to be honest with you, Frank, I have, uh, the Bible teaches us to forgive those who have trespassed against us. Uh, And after a lot of prayer and thought and putting aside my Sicilian nature, um, (laughs) I have, uh, I'm not condoning what Bannon did. I'm not, uh, I'm not approving it, obviously, in any way. I'm certainly not forgetting it. Um, But at this juncture, I have, as a good Christian, I've forgiven him. I'm actually praying for him because 
he was and is being persecuted by the exact same people who persecuted me. Essentially, uh, his uh, lawyer, David Schoen, who's terribly able, uh, extremely capable attorney, uh, summed it up when he said the judge disallowed any possible defense, which is exactly what was done to me. So uh, I couldn't argue, uh, even though the underlying premise of my indictment was that WikiLeaks had hacked to the Democratic National Committee uh, and stolen documents, I could have used forensic evidence and expert testimony to prove that there never was any online hack. But the judge denied me that right. I could have argued uh, uh, for a selective prosecution. Uh, Many people have lied to Congress about substantially more important issues uh, that I allegedly lied about. In fact, I would argue that any misstatement I made to Congress hid no underlying crime. In other Mm. words, it wasn't wasn't material, it wasn't relevant, it wasn't even interesting. It was a frame job put together to pressure me to testify falsely against Donald Trump, which I, of course, refuse to do. In this particular case, I must say that I don't really understand uh, Bannon, because I was subpoenaed to the January 6th committee. I fulfilled my legal obligations under that subpoena, but I showed up in Washington and I asserted my Fifth Amendment right not to answer questions, not because I did anything wrong, not because I have anything to hide, but simply because I have a lot of firsthand experience with the congressional Democrats' ability to take innocuous, right. immaterial, well, or irrelevant things you say and twist them into a crime. Well, th- that's precisely my question. I mean, it seems like a pretty open and shut case. You know, um, you usually, uh, once you fail in your op- opportunity to quash uh, a subpoena, you have to adhere to the subpoena, whether the, the subpoena is for something that you think is a legitimate investigation or not, just as you did. Why would Bannon um, not just have adhered to the subpoena and then pled the, pled the Fifth Amendment when he had to go before Congress? It's an excellent question. Of course, he later tried to revise his position, saying that he had acted uh, on the advice of counsel, and the counsel's advice was incorrect, and therefore he agreed to now be willing to testify. Unfortunately, there are no do-overs right. uh, in the in the D.C. court system. Uh, he has a hostile judge. He has a hostile jury. Uh, he was not allowed to mount any defense whatsoever. He probably does have a reasonable chance on appeal, but that could take two years and cost millions of dollars. Meantime, he's looking at a minimum of six months and a maximum of 18 months uh, or two years, I guess. Uh, And I would not be surprised because this is a highly politicized case uh, to see him get a two year sentence. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So if you are Hunter Biden, Uh, You can lobby without registering for China, Russia, uh, multiple uh, other countries uh, for which they sent Paul Manafort to jail, but nothing will happen to you. You can evade millions of dollars of taxes, but nothing will happen to you. But if you refuse to adhere to a congressional subpoena, well, then they'll put you in jail. Now, Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress. He refused to testify about the fast and furious gun-running operation. He was not uh, sentenced to prison. He wasn't even tried. Uh, There were no criminal uh, uh, proceedings brought against him. Lois Lerner at the IRS, Mm. she refused to testify 
about whether there had been political bias at the IRS and whether some conservative organizations were being targeted for harassment by the IRS. No criminal proceedings were brought against her. So uh, the bottom line of this this is no Trump supporter, no Republican, no non-Democrat is going to get a fair trial in the District of Columbia. And Mr. Bannon should have thought about that before he decided to thwart the subpoena. Uh, Last question about Steve Bannon, and then I want to pick your brain on a a few other things and give people an opportunity. This is one key key point here, and Mm -hmm. that is wearing three shirts and having six pens clipped to your shirt (laughs) does not make you immune to conviction in the District of Columbia. And then I want to I open up the phones to give uh, listeners who uh, might have questions for you an opportunity to ask them. 800-848-9222. If you have questions for Roger Stone, 800-848-9222. Now, I know Steve Bannon's lawyer, who you just referenced, David Schoen, and I was introduced to him through you. He also represented President Trump in his second impeachment trial. I've noticed that uh, Steve Bannon also has a a podcast slash radio show called War Room. And I actually worked with you when you were uh, producing a podcast and a radio show called War Room. I I do wonder, what is it about Steve Bannon that he seems to be following your lead on the name of his show, his attorney, and even the kind of rhetoric that he uses when being prosecuted by the Department of Justice? Does he have stone envy? Uh, It's certainly possible, uh, but uh, look, he has uh, built a successful podcast. I don't know what's going to happen to that podcast when he's in the slammer, uh, but I don't think they'll be letting him do his daily show from his cell. Uh, I I do think that that many, many people have rallied to his side because they correctly see this as a political prosecution. Uh, But look, I... I, uh, Let's move on from the Steve Bannon Fair enough. question. Okay. I've, I've stated my position. All right. Uh, the January 6th committee, uh, I know your feelings of the members of the committee and how they've uh, conducted these hearings. Irrespective of uh, what you think of the committee in general, politically, as a political analyst, which I don't think there's many people on either side of the aisle that have more experience in that area than you do, Do you think the revelations from the January 6th committee about President Trump and his behavior, not only on the 6th, but in the aftermath of the election, do you think they will serve to hurt Donald Trump politically? And do you think they will serve to hurt his legacy in the long term? First of all, uh, Frank, let me say the Adam B. Schiff Award for Baseless Smear goes to Representative Jamie Raskin. Uh, this is the same act all over again. If you saw Pencil Neck yesterday on uh, Face the Nation, he once again implied uh, that he had seen some evidence that I was a link between the Trump White House uh, and extremist groups. There is no such link. Uh, yes, it's true that I do know President Trump personally. Yes, it's also true that I know individual members of the Proud Boys. And I came in contact with members of the Oath Keepers. That proves absolutely nothing. That's called guilt by association. You may have been seen. You may have seen the hearings, Frank, when uh, this woman Cassidy Hutchinson said that it was her understanding. Notice the formation of the words here. Uh, it was her understanding that President Trump instructed White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to call Roger Stone and General Flynn on January fifth, and then. Liz Cheney says, 
to find out what was going to happen on January 6th. That is a contemptible lie. That conversation never took place. I've never spoke to Mark Meadows on the phone in my entire life. I did meet him once in 2019 when he was a congressman. Uh, but, of course, Shifty Schiff will tell you, well, the investigation continues. Let's be very clear. Any claim, assertion, or implication that I knew advance about was involved in or condoned any illegal activity on January 6th is categorically false. And there is no text message, no phone call, no email, no encrypted message, no docu documentary film footage that will show otherwise. There is no witness that can say otherwise. It's a, it's a total smear. I'm clickbait at my advanced age. I've become clickbait. No, we love it. Even banned from social media uh, when all we have to do is mention that you, you might come on and forget about it. We see the streaming numbers go through the roof, and we're going to give people an opportunity to ask questions of you in just a second. 800-848-9222. I have to ask you about this. You've been following the uh, – you, you were the person, I believe, that coined the term stop the steal. Now, you initially coined it to apply to the movement to deny President Trump the Republican nomination if he got the most votes, which – some delegates and some Republican Party insiders were talking about in 2016. In the aftermath of 2020, it came to apply largely to folks that believe that the election was stolen, that Biden didn't properly win. There was a report uh, released this week called Lost Not Stolen, a new 72-page report from a group of uh, prominent conservative legal and political scholars, many of whom I believe you know, uh, John Danforth, Ted Olson, federal judges, retired federal judges like Mike McConnell, Michael Luddig, Thomas Griffith, uh, Republican election lawyer Ben Ginsburg, a number of others. And they uh, claim in this report to do a state-by-state -state refutation of the claims circulated about voting results in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Based on what you've seen, not only this report, but all the evidence that's come out over the course of the last two years, do you still have questions about Biden having legitimately won the election? And what is your view of who the proper winner of the 2020 election was at this moment? First of all, on that list of people you just read, which one of them supported Donald Trump for president when he was a Republican nominee in 2016? The answer would be none of them. So you have a neocon report, which I just think is wrong. Every single day, we actually see more and more evidence of irregularities uh, and anomalies in the results of the 2020 election. I'm sorry, stopping the counting at three o'clock in the morning in six states at the same time and suddenly finding 300,000 new ballots in, say, Detroit, that looks uh, very, very fishy to me, uh, it, particularly when they're 100 percent for Joe Biden and none of them are for uh, Donald Trump. So when they say, well, the courts rejected those arguments, no, Frank, that's not true. The courts refused to hear the arguments. They rejected the case, but they didn't hear the case and reject the evidence. So I think it is uh, still at this point, although there's been no judicial decision, I think there's a substantial evidence uh, of election fraud uh, and that, that it uh, that the media is so disciplined about uh, they're saying, oh, that's the big lie. No, the big lie is that there is no evidence. I think there's overwhelming uh, evidence. As far as Stop the Steal is concerned, let me be very clear. I stole it from Dwight Eisenhower. His people used it at the 1952 convention uh, when they successfully uh, knocked off the front runner, Senator Robert Taft from Ohio, 
they went into the Credentials Committee and unseated Taft delegates in Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas, tilting the convention to Dwight Eisenhower, who went on to become president. Uh, so Stop the Steal is not my invention. It was a slogan actually invented by uh, former U.S. Attorney General Herbert Brownell, a mainstay of the Republican Party of New York, who had been counsel to Governor Tom Dewey and uh, the manager of Eisenhower's floor operation at the 52 convention. Uh, I did believe for a short period of time that when Ted Cruz uh, and John Kasich and Jeb Bush teamed up, there was going to be an effort within the Credentials Committee to uh, rob the nomination from Donald Trump. The Republican National Convention is, in fact, governed by its own rules. That's exactly how Eisenhower stole the nomination from Taft, and it was at least theoretically possible. I never trademarked the name. I don't own it. Other people began to use it uh, in uh, in 2020. Um, there was uh, uh, there was uh, a number of lawsuits uh, against me and Donald Trump in 2016 uh, regarding the activity of Stop the Steal. We prevailed in five different federal courtrooms. Uh, there was never any attempt to intimidate voters by conducting exit polls after people had voted to try to check the accuracy of the machines. Uh, that never gets written about either. All right. So, um, yes, I do think that the, I, I still believe that the president is correct and that there was substantial fraud in the 2020 election. All right. See, under the U.S. Constitution, I'm allowed to say that and think it. That's not seditious. It's not treasonous. Uh, it's the exact same position Hillary Clinton took in 2016. All right. A lot of folks eager to talk with you. If you want to try and jump on board with a question, 800-848-9222. I'm going to go to folks in the order in which they've been holding. Uh, Al in Yonkers, you're on with Roger Stone. Yeah. Hi, Frank. Hi, uh, Roger Stone. Uh, Roger, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I just first wanted to say that myself and my family and people I know who I I speak to about uh, politics on a national level, we we thought it was real low uh, low that the uh, federal authorities came to your house in Florida at an early hour and arrested you like they did. Uh, that was really done in poor taste. And my other thing I wanted to ask you is when the president uh, pardoned you on uh, the charges you were convicted on, I believe, uh, perjury, but when the president cleared you on uh, – pardoned you – uh, paying for those attorneys, did it cost you a small fortune? <laughs> okay, let's take that uh, uh, in order. First of all, I agree with you. My lawyers had been in touch with the special counsel's office. This was a white-collar crime. I have no previous record. Normally, you would simply inform my attorneys that I would be charged and I would be allowed to turn myself in. Twenty-nine heavily armed, fully SWAT-clad FBI agents stormed my home at 6 o'clock in the morning for the benefit of the CNN cameras. Uh, yes. And um, CNN, without any question, had advance notice of uh, my arrest because I was arrested at 6.06. And at 6.11, Sarah Murray of CNN sent a copy of my sealed indictment to my attorney by text. Now, how wow. would she have a, a, a document that was sealed until 9.30 that morning? If you go to the metadata uh, tags on that document, which had no timestamp or court markings on it, uh, you have the initials of the man who wrote it, Andrew Weissman, meaning 
he leaked the government's plan to wow. uh, to uh, to execute a search and arrest warrant, which is in itself a felony. That was all meant to pressure me to testify against President Trump, which I refused to do. Uh, yes. In the legal proceeding, to try to defend myself, I lost my home, my car, wow. my savings, uh, most of my insurance, uh, and for 18 months, my ability to make a living whatsoever. Uh, and the, you also get the aftermath. My wife and I have been sued in 17 separate, totally baseless, totally meritless, totally groundless, unsubstantiated, but very, very sensationalized civil suits. I have prevailed in six. I will prevail in all of them. But if you don't hire a lawyer to defend you, then they they issue a default judgment against you. So folks can help me by going to stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com. Uh, I will never stop fighting. Thank you, Al. 800-848-9222. Russ is in White Plains. Hello, Russ. Hey, Frank. Roger, is it fair to compare your peripheral involvement in January 6th to your front seat involvement in the count that, halting the count in Florida in 2000? And do you think that these three bad seeds that Trump elevated to the Supreme Court with their abrupt rulings on abortion, guns, and religion will be Trump's undoing in 2024? And I voted for Trump in 2020. Thank you, Roger. Uh, uh, let me address uh, the famous Brook Brothers riot. The claim that, uh, that a mob closed down the recount of ballots in Miami-Dade County is false. Uh, there was an attempt uh, by Democratic officials to remove a sheaf of ballots that had already been recounted three times and take them to a room with no observers, uh, at no windows, and no doors. That's a violation of the Florida State Sunshine Act. But when the Democrats finally figured out that they could not glean any new votes from a pile of ballots that had already been counted three times, they threw in the towel. And, of course, George W. Bush became president. So the idea that, that a, a mob uh, intimidated people into stopping the count, that is categorically false. Uh, secondarily, um, your, your question uh, about the court, um, first of all, I, I don't think in the end that the Roe v. Wade decision is going to have the kind of political implications that everybody believes it will. The majority of people in the country are for legal abortion, but they're also in favor of a number of restrictions on abortion. The last Gallup poll showed 4% of voters said it was the number one issue on their agenda. Given gasoline prices, food shortages, uh, and, uh, and hyperinflation, uh, I really don't think that this tilts the the midterm elections uh, to the Democrats. Uh, I was surprised by the road decision. I most certainly did not see it coming. Uh, I don't see, um, uh, I, I, do, I do think uh, that, the, uh, that the Republicans are still favored based on the economic indicators going into the next election. David is in the Bronx. Hello, David. Yes, good evening, Frank. Uh, Mr. Stone, there's a simple way to, to get the to clear the air about whether President Trump knew he was going to lose the election, which I believe he was well aware of in advance. I believe you were well aware of that advance. Michael Flynn, the whole list of characters. Why don't you guys release Trump's internal polling data from between the first impeachment and election day? That could fix 
all these contentions that you keep making about the election being stolen? Uh, Polling is extraordinarily volatile, uh, and it's also not always accurate. The polls all showed Hillary Clinton would win in 2016. She lost. So I'm not sure the polling that you seek uh, would prove anything uh, whatsoever. I don't Why not release this then? Uh, I, it's not up Why to not me whether it's, it's not. I'm not opposed to it being released. How do you like that? But I don't. I don't possess it, so I'm not capable of releasing it. In fact, I never saw any of it. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Yeah. Hi, Roger. Uh, you know, now that the southern border border is uh, fairly porous. Do you see people not only from Central South America, but potentially from anywhere globally, China, fentanyl, dirty bombs, diseases, bioweapons, uh, secret agents, et cetera, et cetera? What, what do you see this could bloom into potentially? Well, we certainly have a fentanyl epidemic uh, in the United States. We have a crime epidemic. Our southern border seems to be completely open, and I think that is uh, extraordinarily dangerous. One of the phenomena that we see here uh, in Florida is any citizen can walk into the Department of Motor Vehicles where you can register to vote, uh, and nobody asks you for any proof of citizenship uh, when you do that. So uh, I think it is entirely possible that a substantial number of people who are not legally eligible to vote will be allowed to vote. Uh, Beyond that, if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. Uh, The current crime epidemic and the fact that fentanyl is more plentiful and easier to find than baby formula, Mm. that's scary as hell. 800-848-9222. Chris is in the Catskills. Chris, you're on with Roger Stone. Outstanding opening monologue, Frank. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stone, in the 2008 documentary about the downfall of Elliot Spitzer, you were interviewed and you answered a particular question about whether you had anything to do with uh, information being leaked to the right uh, parties in the media. You answered with a rhetorical enthymime. I was wondering if you would care to share a little bit more. Also, I wanted to ask you, what do you think that the ceiling is of a politician who just is a pure policy wonk and they're just they're taking a problem solving approach, uh, analyzing issues and problems plaguing society, the country and the world. And then they're presenting uh, potential solutions that could mitigate and solve these problems. How far, given how dirty politics is, what's the farthest they could advance in today's world? Thank you. Uh, All right. There's a two-part question. Um, I've been very forthright about the fact that I heard that Elliot Spitzer was uh, was, uh, uh, entertaining prostitutes and paying prostitutes at the same time that he, as attorney general, was busting other guys uh, for paying and playing with prostitutes. And therefore, the issue here is hypocritical. And yes, I had my lawyer write a letter to the FBI. That's a matter of public record. Uh, I, I am not uh, I, I, I don't know where that leaked from. Uh, but as you know, uh, he was forced to resign uh, on the other question uh, as to our political system. Money is the mother's milk of politics. Uh, I worked in Washington. I spent, you know, 30 years in the corroded rectum of the two party system. Uh, and if you have the right lobbyists and the right connections, virtually anything in this system uh, can be purchased. Uh, the war in Ukraine being a perfect example of that. 
just seems odd to me that we would ship $40 billion to Ukraine when we won't spend $2.5 billion to seal our southern border. Yeah, and how. Um, Roger, let me squeeze in two quick questions before we go back to the calls, since we, we only have a few minutes left. One, uh, obviously, I know you're a great admirer of President Trump, but you're also a Florida resident. and You've had sort of a ringside seat for Ron DeSantis's elevation from winner in a nail biter of an election to national political figure. There have been some polls uh, out that uh, seem to be pretty encouraging for Ron DeSantis and may present a challenge for President Trump if those two go head to head in a primary in your view, uh, as somebody that uh, has analyzed polls for a living for literally decades, as a, as a Trump supporter, are you at all concerned at, at the prospect of a DeSantis-Trump primary? Uh, I think uh, it's Ron DeSantis has the prerogative to run if he wishes. If he runs, I think Donald Trump will defeat him. Uh, I would not put too much stock in the poll that was put on the front page of the New York Times, the New York Times Siena College poll. It seems to be out of line with a number of other polls taken in the same time period showing Trump as an overwhelming favorite. Uh, He was leading DeSantis by 35, for example, I think it was in the Harvard uh, Harris poll. Uh, I still think Trump is in the driver's seat. Uh, DeSantis has to get reelected. And that is not as easy as it may appear. Florida is not a red state. It is a purple state. It swings between blue and red. Uh, and I still believe that race will be close. So you th- you think Charlie uh, Chris could give DeSantis a run for his money? Well, if I'm Charlie Chris, the first question I ask Ron in a debate is, will you pledge to remain as governor for four years, or are you going to just use Florida as a stepping stone to run off and run for president? It's a very tough question to answer when you're asking people to reelect you governor. I know a lot of people who really, really like DeSantis, but don't want him to leave as governor. He's young enough to be president someday. Uh, I have a particular beef here because historically people need to understand Donald Trump made Ron DeSantis. He was an unknown congressman. Uh, The the, uh, state agriculture commissioner uh, had the endorsement uh, of every Republican county chairman, every Republican state legislator, every member of the Republican congressional uh, delegation from Florida, with the exception of Matt Gates, uh, and DeSantis uh, essentially utilized the Trump endorsement uh, to overcome all of that to become the nominee. Then Trump had to campaign in Florida in the closing weeks, twice in the final two weeks, to drag Ron DeSantis over the finish line, and he won by a mere 30,000 votes. So I'm a great believer in gratitude uh, in politics. I'm a great believer uh, in loyalty. I think Ron DeSantis owns his governorship to Donald Trump, and he should cut him a wide berth if the former president wants to run. Last question, Roger. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp is going to be the latest politician to answer the Atlanta prosecutor commanding this investigation over the uh, attempts to change the outcome of what happened in Georgia in 2020. So Kemp is going to testify on Monday. There's also been subpoenas issued to Rudy Giuliani, Lindsey Graham, 16 Georgia Republican leaders uh, were sent letters. Where do you think this Georgia investigation goes, and do you think it could be problematic for President Trump? Well, um, I don't. First of all, I think it is a highly partisan investigation. I'll tell you it was problematic 
the decision by the Wisconsin Supreme Court last week that said the drop boxes and the mail-in voting was completely illegal and therefore essentially voiding the Wisconsin results. Uh, there, uh, if you look at the number of people watching the January 6th hearings, despite what you might read in some uh, media outlets, the numbers are not impressive. And I'm convinced they're overwhelmingly people who already despise uh, Donald Trump. Uh, whether or not the Democrats can, through these hearings, convince the Justice Department to charge Donald Trump with some crime that would eliminate him legally as a potential candidate for president is the big question on the mm. table. Roger, going to have to end it there. It is always interesting talking with you. I'll look forward to our next rendezvous on the radio or in person. Great, Frank. Many thanks. Thank you. Roger Stone. You can learn more about what he's up to at uh, stonezone.com. Uh, or the uh, re- the website whoframedrogerstone.com. Uh, both of those places will uh, give you a lot of interesting information about what Roger's up to these days. This is The Other Side of Midnight. If we didn't get to your question and you have a comment, you're welcome to call in at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. 